The new lockdown measures have been put in place, guys. Stay in your homes, barricade yourself. That's what I've been doing. I've received no news of the outside world in about a week. I haven't even opened my blinds. That's how much I want to be away from all of you freaks. I have a big piece of wood wedged against my door. Nobody's coming in or out. Weirdly enough, I am the only person in my apartment. So in case one of my personalities wants to escape, no such luck. No such luck, medieval warrior from the 1400s. That's who I'm living with upstairs. It's a weird time, everybody. I, every, everybody's confused. I don't know what to do. They're, uh, they're essentially saying, essentially. Essentially is a key word in this. You cannot go out unless it's for something essential. But they use the word essential so loosely that people are getting frustrated. It's like, okay, well, what if I have to go visit a family member? What if I have to go to work long distance? What if I have to? It's just all over the place. Uh, we are in Toronto. Uh, they have uh, implemented phase 14 level turquoise, I believe this is. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the phases are. I don't know what. Are we in another realm? Are we in a, uh, We're in a new realm. Things have gotten so dramatic with this COVID shit, we are in a new universe, a bizarro world. It feels like it when you go outside, when you're talking to people. Now, of course, I have not been outside in a week. I'm staying in. I'm going to try to carry this out as long as I can. No, but I, uh, in all seriousness, I have been outside, and I don't know what the word essential means. Like, I, I guess the new laws, uh, from what I've heard, when, when I was reading, uh, if, if you are... Uh, Caught with no grocery bags in your hand, I believe the new rule is that you get shot on sight. Something like that. That's what the cops are saying. They they just they get to uh, they get to invoke that that right that rule. So uh, if you're going outside, whether it's for exercise or even a smoke break, I suggest you carry one Whole Foods bag with you at all times, and just stuff miscellaneous contents inside. So if the cops stop you, like, hey, I was at Whole Foods. You can't do anything. If they search your bag, they just, hey, what is this? Crumpled up newspaper? Are you pulling a ruse on me? No, sir. I was at Whole Foods. This is what they sell. And now, to be fair, I've been inside of a Whole Foods. I've seen what they're selling. And in terms of quality, you may as well be eating crumpled up newspaper for a lot of it. That's how bland it tastes. I was having a conversation with my dad about this recently and just how crazy things have gotten with these these rules, these lockdowns. Now, it could be much worse. My dad said, at this point, it's almost unenforceable. You can't get 10 people who you see kind of walking within close distance of each other and stop them and, and find them all. There's going to be kickback. People are going to get too frustrated. If you're too strict, the stricter you are, the harder the kickback, the harder the rebellion from people. The more badass people want to be, the more they want to break the rules. It's it's basically punk rock 101. But my dad was saying, you know, unless they at this point uh, implement some war measures act like they used to do in World War II in the 40s with people. My grandmother lived through this uh, in her neighborhood on her block. They used to do these air raid drills at nighttime and everybody had to be indoors. All the businesses had to be closed. There could be no cars on the road. This was all just in case the Nazis flew across the ocean, and decided to bomb everything. And uh, they used to have an air raid marshal who would be a guy that they just hire from like the neighborhood to knock on doors and make sure everybody was inside. 
And this would happen over and over again over the span, I think, of, I guess, of years. And uh, one night, my grandmother's younger sister, who was a baby at the time, would not stop crying. This was a story she would tell from those times. I'm getting a little off topic here, but it's, it's funny. And uh, the air raid marshal knocked on the door to tell the ba- to tell you know my grandmother's parents to quiet the baby down. And my grandfather kept saying, "Okay, well, sure." The baby kept crying. The air marshal kept coming back. And finally, my great grandfather, who is a World War One veteran, opened the door and told the air raid marshal apparently to go fuck himself. Now, my grandmother never said that when she was relaying the story to us. The what he said, but I can only imagine that this is a person with severe PTSD. They've been shot at in a foxhole back in the 1400s. Everybody was a sociopath. Nobody cared about each other. He lived the movie 1917, is what I'm trying to say. He fought for the British. Apparently, He wasn't even British, but he fought for the British at that time. And uh, they were people who basically had no conscience. And he was a hard man. And the air raid marshal eventually <laughs> went away. He walked away. So uh, he was victorious. But uh, th- those are the kinds of things, these, these war measures where everybody has to be inside. That, that's almost what they're going to have to do if you really want to get people to stay inside. And I think if you were outside, you'd either be fined. If, if you kept uh, transgressing, they would throw you in jail. I don't know exactly what the penalty is. I'm talking out of my ass. I'm full of shit, everybody, is what I'm trying to say to you. But my point is, uh, things are getting, people are getting frustrated. We're going to have to eventually let people out at some point to conduct their affairs. Like, it's at the point where it's it's weirdly, it's not at all the same thing. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to sound out of touch. But it, it, it reminds me of this sort of, decimal percentage pseudo soviet union era where you'll just you'll hear some lady on the phone with the cops going yeah i saw four people enter this home at the same time they're up to something suspicious yeah they're buying cocaine you chose to live in this neighborhood act accordingly they're going in to get a little toot they're going in to get a bump the bars are closed the rub and tugs are gone this is about all they have left. Everybody's got a vice. Speaking of vices, I've been going hard on the junk food lately. I'm still doing my exercises. Some would say it's cognitive dissonance. i got to get my diet right. But I, I, I've been doing this thing where I'll eat health food during the weekdays and then all junk food on the weekends. I'm still keeping... Is, is it possible to keep the Saturdays are for the boys mentality when you're all alone. Like, I haven't seen some of my friends in a year now. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm sitting alone in my home gorging myself with things like Domino's, which I had on Friday. I had a meatball sub from Subway yesterday with the melted cheese, cheese and toasted on uh, Italian herbs and cheese. It was wonderful. Although, the $5 footlong thing is a scam. They still have the sign outside a foot long is now $8, and that's just the sandwich. So after all these lockdowns and riots happen, but people are going to go after Subway. Mark my words. They fucked up enough over the last six years. This is the final straw. 
forced a pedophile spokesman. Now no longer no five dollar footlongs anymore. Talk about a business that's going downhill. But I've been doing the junk food way too much, and uh, I'm eventually gonna have to stop. Like I, I'm turning thirty in the summer. I, I want to go. I want to hit my thirties with a new look. I want to have a six pack. I'm doing the the crunches. I'm doing like weird leg exercises. I don't even know the names of them. I'm just doing them. I don't even know if I'm doing I, I I haven't gone to the gym. I've just been working out from my apartment for a year and a half. Nobody's seen my form. I don't have a guy with a rosary tattoo and a V-neck looking over my shoulder going, yeah, you're not doing that right. Yeah, yeah, no, keep your body still, all right? Still, turn yourself to stone and then do it, okay? You can't, you're wobbling all over the place, okay? You look like a fucking dolphin. Who's uh, just been uh, the, uh, a beach a beach dolphin? You know, like you're waving your tail, and it's just it's it's not a good look. Okay, you're not building nothing. No, so uh, I gotta cut the junk. Gotta cut the junk out of my life, everybody. Lots been going on in the news. A lot of stuff. I, I just want to say. I watched that Night Stalker documentary. It's not a documentary. It's a, it's a limited series on Netflix. It was about a four parter. And it was about uh, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez in 1980s Los Angeles. And I had no clue uh, the magnitude of horror we were dealing with or the people of Los Angeles were dealing with at that time with this guy. It was just this, it was almost like a lottery. You know, this guy would just hit a neighborhood, kill one person and go on to the next. But everybody would just be kind of waiting, like, is he going to hit our neighborhood next? Who's it going to be? And you'd hear like, oh, some lady down the street died. And you'd be, you'd be kind of relieved because the guy wouldn't be coming back, he'd be moving on to another. But at the same time, you know, your sister had just been killed. <laughs> or your brother, or anybody. He didn't discriminate. He killed men and women. He killed about 13 people. There were also numerous sexual assaults. It was, yeah, it was horrifying. And uh, what always gets me with things like this, and my, my only take with stuff, with these serial killers, is these people who they'll interview, and they interviewed them in this series, where they'll go, they'll have these encounters with these guys while they're at large. And they'll be like, yeah, he came into my store and he looked really weird. And a lot of the time he's, he, you, you'd think that the guy was murderous right there. Like he wanted to kill somebody and they still, they, they don't pay it any mind. Like, yeah, he walked in. Uh, I mean, he had blood all over his shirt. Uh, he had someone's intestines wrapped around his waist. Uh, there was, uh, he also had a knife in his hand, but I was just like, you know what? It was a dangerous neighborhood. Got to defend yourself. And you're like, you didn't go to the police and say this. You, you've just kept this all to yourself until, oh, hey, like the off chance that Netflix would come knocking on your door and say, hey, uh, we'd like to speak with you. They never report these guys. And they talk to a librarian in this movie and librarians. If, if. A guy comes in to your library and asks for books on both torture and the Zodiac. You have a civil responsibility to take the 38 snub from under your counter and hold that gentleman there until the police arrive. And I say gentleman because it's only a gentleman. It's never a girl. Statistically, it's a guy. Okay, if a girl comes in asking for torture and Zodiac, she's probably a dominatrix. Like, hey, yeah, do you? Hi, I, I, I'd like some books on uh, how to string people up on racks. 
Um, and also, it's Gemini season. It's almost exclusively guys. These people are up to no good, and it's your responsibility to report them. If you assist them, and you, you may want to point them out to the books because you don't want to give yourself away and, and cause trouble for this murderous psychopath. But at least tell somebody after. Like this guy in the Night Stalker doc, he's talking, he's like, yeah, he came in, uh, he had yellow eyes. He looked kind of like a goat. That's exactly how he described him. He looked like a goat. Or that may have been something that I said when I saw a picture of him. But the guy had a scruffy beard, he was dirty. He had ripped clothing. First of all, this is not the description of someone who can even read. Turn these people in. If you don't, you, you're an accomplice. You are just as guilty as them. And it's always the torture zodiac. There's also other combos that go with it. Torture, cooking. Torture, fertilizer. Torture, growing tomatoes in your backyard. So many different things that go with torture that are not right. That just, uh, that, that feel off. Anyways, it was, a, it was an effective documentary. But wild. Army Hammer. Uh, giving new meaning to I love you so much I could just eat you up. Yeah, it's, um, it, apparently he's in these hot waters. Some DMs popped up. They resurfaced of him telling all these girls, uh, people that he was in a relationship with, as well as just regular uh, girls that he was flirting with, uh, that he wants to eat their flesh. I want to cut you up and eat you. Things to that effect. Um, exotic flirter at best. In the heat of passion, people say wild shit. But I've never heard of the cannibalism one, though. Maybe I'm just not hanging around a wild enough crew where cannibalism is, a, is, is, a, is an actual fetish that people are into. I don't know if it is a thing. It's creepy, though. It doesn't look great when a guy, especially when you're a guy who looks like Army Hammer. If you're a straight white man, rich, hot white guy in Hollywood who looks like Army Hammer, your options are limited in terms of things that you can get away with. Like, if you're Army Hammer, if you're a guy who looks exactly like him and somebody comes out, hey, what's your take on the Capitol building riot? You basically have to run away and not leave your home for about a month or so. Pretty much what I'm doing. They're looking for him to slip up, and boy, did he. He's backing out of movies that he was signed to. I think that he had a movie with J-Lo that he dropped out of. Just lay low for a little bit and, and just let it simmer. Something else will happen. Timothy Chalamet will be sending some DM like, oh, hey, yeah, I love you so much, I want to drown you. Just shit like that. Something really off. Oh, Army Hammer. This is the most publicity I think he's ever gotten. So in, in a way, he should probably be thanking these people who reignited this controversy. Or ignited it. I don't think the, I don't think anybody had ever mentioned it before. But uh, oh, the power of social media! I bet Army Hammer's regretting taking credit for Facebook now. That was a social network reference. One of my favorite films of the 2010s. 
Great, great picture. But imagine if Army Hammer was just the first piece to a greater scandal that's about to pop off in Hollywood. Like, first it was the Me Too thing, so it was all these rapes, all these sexual assaults. Then it's pedophilia in Hollywood, which there have been whispers of for ages, and people are only taking it seriously now, which does exist. People are going overboard with it, but it, it absolutely has existed. And now imagine cannibalism on the rise in Tinseltown. I mean... Some would say it's a step up from the reputations of pedophilia and sexual assault. But still not great. Could you imagine if they're, like, they're having cannibal parties? Like it's all the Hollywood elites, Bradley Cooper, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Clint Eastwood. And it's not just guys. You got Meryl Streep, Emma Stone who looks so innocent. It's just so, Emma, come on. You were the face of Hollywood innocence for the long... It's normally people who look like that, though, that are up to some nefarious shit. That's why, as babyface as I look, I always try to walk around with at least a scar on my face so people know I mean serious fucking business. No, but imagine they have these cannibal parties and everybody's just kind of having a great time swimming in the pool and all of a sudden, you know, Denzel comes out and just says, hey, everybody, we're going to go downstairs. We're going to go downstairs in the basement. We got a surprise for all of you. Everybody goes downstairs. Everybody crowds around. Bradley Cooper's back on the, uh, on the cocaine. I think he did cocaine or booze or whatever, whatever it was. But everybody's crowded around. Everybody's just having a great time and we're wondering. All of a sudden, Spielberg steps out in the middle and says, all right, let today's cannibal festivities commence. And all of a sudden, the floor opens up and up rises Anthony Michael Hall. Gagged and restrained. Naked. On the floor. He's got a blindfold on. They take the gag off. Anthony, any last words? Come on, guys, you can't do this to me. I was in Breakfast Club. All right, well, you're about to be brunch, so. And then uh, they get a host. It's normally like a B-lister, like Cal Penn, the guy who played Kumar from Harold and Kumar, and he's just he's got a knife and a fork, and he said, all right, well, we're doing a raffle for who would like to take the first slice. Anthony's going wild at this point. It's 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 an obscure actor who's... Who's disappeared? Who's 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 fallen off the map? These are the people that they get to sacrifice and eat, and uh, basically, yeah, just uh, somebody wins the raffle, and oh, hey, it's Jason Biggs. Hey, I got the first one. All right, get in here. Just don't fuck it like you did that pie. That's and they just they all just chow down on Anthony Michael Hall. It's like that scene in Lord of the Rings when the orcs uh, all eat that other. Oh, actually, Urukai to be specific. I don't want to be sacrilegious to the works of the great Tolkien. But yeah, it's like that scene where they eat that, all the Urukai eat that orc. You know, the guy who wants to eat uh, Marion Pippin. Like, I want some meat, just a mouthful. And they cut the guy's head off, and they all just crowd around, and you see, like, intestines flying everywhere, and looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Two towers, terrific picture. But I, I, I could imagine 
those cannibal parties would be like that. Those underground Hollywood cannibal shindigs that they do. And it's always, like I said, an obscure actor that people haven't seen in ages. Somebody who, you know, people wouldn't exactly notice if they were gone. That's what it is. It's like in Hollywood, if you go away, you've either been eaten or you've gone to Fox News. Yeah. That's always what I've noticed. It's like, it's, it's all of the actors who I'm like, oh yeah, where are they? I wonder what happened to them. I just, I see them on Fox News at some point, just when I'm flipping around. Like I always, I watched Hercules when I was a kid. I'm like, Kevin Sorbo, he's enjoyable in that. Hercules was a, a fun show. I wondered where he went. And then I'm about 1920. I'm just flipping around. All of a sudden, I just see Kevin Sorbo on a panel with 10 minutes on the Sudan. And he's going in. I'm like, so that's, that's what happened. Now, some would say out of cannibalism and Fox News, uh, cannibalism would be the more admirable route. Being eaten. Like at some point, Kevin Sorbo and all during all his Fox News appearances, he's probably gotten tired. At one point, it's probably gone through his head the thought that um, he's just been sitting at a panel at 1.30 in the morning talking about doings in the Ukraine. And he's just, he's probably at one point, probably just the thought crosses his mind like, uh, I could be in a basement right now getting disemboweled by Renee Zellweger. If only those parties were that interesting. Like, I, I've been to actors' parties. And by the way, with nobodies. Like, I'm not, you know, A-listers or any, like, even B-listers. We are just, we can't even, you know, we're, we're so down on the totem pole, we can't even recite the alphabet. That's, we're not even on the Z-list. Shit. I've been to those actors' parties. They're boring. There's nothing really to do. Everybody's just kind of everybody's just pretentious and hanging around and just there's always a guy with a turtleneck who's trying to impress two chicks. He's got wine in his hand. He looks like Adam Driver. He's just like saying something like, "And uh that article by Fran Lebowitz and you're just blah blah blah, like just whatever." And he's trying to he's trying to get laid. But uh he's trying to pull a fast one on these two girls. They're not buying it, by the way. No, the way I describe these actors' parties now, ever since Me Too popped off, which I'm and I'm not talking shit about the movement, it was necessary, but just the aftermath. Every people are afraid to fucking talk to each other, and that's not a fallacy that I'm I'm making up. That's not just something that I'm pulling out of my ass. People, the vibe at these Hollywood industry parties, or these these actors. I'm not in Hollywood, but these actors' industry parties. It's just people are afraid to make eye contact with each other, which is not a problem for me. I like staring at the floor. I'll have a whole conversation with somebody about psychology and not even pay them any mind, really. I'll just be... So it's not an issue for me, but everybody's just kind of staring at the ground at these parties now. It's one side all guys, other side all girls. Nobody's really communicating with one another. Every now and then, two guys, a guy and a girl will make eye contact and the guy will freak out. I gotta leave. I think I just harassed that woman. These actors' parties now, modern actors' parties in 2021, this is what they're like. First of all, actually, right now is not a good, they're all on Zoom. But 
pre-2020, actors parties, pre-2020, post-Me Too, actors parties were like, you know how in the old days they would have like in in areas where there was enough guys, enough girls, they would have young people all get together for a dance, right? They would get the guys together, they would get the girls together, they would all dress at their best, and and couples would form, people would meet each other. It was There was normally a guy who would host it, he was an older man, and uh, they would get people, you saw this in Gangs of New York, they did a version of this, where people would choose, you had a mirror, and a girl got to stare into the mirror, and a, a guy would come up, they would just line up, and uh, she would look behind him, and if she liked the guy that she was looking at through the mirror, she would choose them. She would choose him. So it's, it's like those parties, except nobody is speaking to each other. Nobody, no couples are forming, no relationships, no nothing. People aren't meeting. People are leaving with blue balls. It's just a negative experience all around. That's how I would describe these actors' parties. And then God forbid you throw a piano in there at the end of the night. There's always somebody who can play piano and everybody just kind of gradually, the people who are still there gather around and they're singing some song from Cats or Rent. It's normally a guy who's, who's leading in, in vocals. He's just a guy, he's got his girlfriend there, but he's not fooling anybody. He's just, he's just wailing away and you're sick of it. I, I'm tired of parties, industry parties with pianos. There should be... If you have an industry party, an actor's party, a comics party, you should have a guy standing by the door grilling people as they come in. Like, hey, do you play an instrument? Oh, you play piano? You have five seconds to get out of here, to walk away before things get ugly. What instrument do you play? Guitar? Okay, you got one song. That's it. Preferably not Wonderwall or anything by Bare Naked Ladies. That was last week. Like I was trying my patience. Yeah, the parties are boring. It's either piano, pretentious talk, turtlenecks, wine, piano. It's very dull. And the whole point of this is, do you know how relieved I would be if in the middle of this party, in the middle of the blandness and the dullness, some random guy came out and said, hey, everybody, we're going to eat someone. I would be jumping for joy. I would be like, where do we start? The head or the feet? Let's have a race. Last one there gets the testicles. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Ugh. Yeah, crazy. Army, Army Hammer, smarten up. Smarten up with your fetishes. That's why I don't have a fetish. I, I like attract, I like nice looking feet, and that's it. I don't want to have sex with the feet. I don't want anything. I just like a girl with pretty feet. That's it. That's my fetish. It's innocent. Good enough. It reminds me, I do have to get back on Tinder. I'm matching with a few girls. Uh, I don't know if I have it. Like, how do, you, how do you Tinder date during lockdown? Do you have a Zoom call? Is there phone sex? What, what do you do? The last date I had was a couple months before the lockdown started. It was uh, December of 2019. And I went to the movies with this person. And then I had dinner with them. And that was, that was, it was, uh, there were red flags. She was a nice girl. I was, it just didn't work out. 
So I guess the big one to talk about is this uh, impeachment. Trump has been impeached for the second time. And again, much like last year, or last year, last, last podcast, last week, uh, I, I don't know really what to say. Perhaps I should comment on this a little earlier in the week instead of Sundays. But I don't know what to say that hasn't already been said by people. Yeah, like I'm not a Trump supporter. I've never dedicated my life to to attack the guy like people online. I uh, I'm not really that political on the internet. That's I'm I'm more political in conversation. But uh yeah, I just I find being political on the internet to be useless. It never goes anywhere. You never see a liberal or a conservative go like, "Oh, hey, you know, we just slaughtered each other online during a in a in a 500 comment thread that lasted 2 weeks." But hey, let's hug it out. Do you want to go for frozen yogurt? It's not a thing. People just get angry at each other, and it just it just escalates. It's counterproductive, pointless, dull, stupid, whatever adjective you want. But I don't know what to say. I guess my only take is, you know, and, and it's debatable as to whether or not this is a take, more, more just an observation. It is amazing how few people know what impeached means. Now, the, the word impeached doesn't come around that often. It, it's come around... More often, more often in the last couple of years. But, you know, you would think that people who were so vocal about Trump's impeachment would know what the word meant. The guy's been impeached twice, and there's some people who still haven't even gotten a grasp on it. You know, I remember when he got, he got impeached back in 2019. After all those hearings, people went, like I, I'd see statuses, bye-bye, Donald. Like they thought that Donald was actually going to be seen walking out of the White House with a cardboard box of his desk contents. Like Kevin Spacey in American Beauty, who, by the way, is probably giving Donald his regards right now. Apparently they were pals. Apparently they had some doings on Epstein's Island. That's what the Netflix doc said. Whatever. Anyways, these people don't know what impeach means. Do I even know what the exact definition is? It's probably, um, I'll probably have the basis of the meaning. Uh, impeached, um, charge the holder of public office with misconduct. Okay, so that doesn't mean, okay, so they charge the person and then they act accordingly. They act, okay, they, whatever happens after that is something that they decide. But it didn't mean that he was getting kicked out of office. And that's what people, so many people thought when they heard the word impeach, which leads me. To my next point, this is what happens when people get their political information from Seinfeld. I remember that was the big thing. That was the big joke on the Cadillac episode. It was a two-parter, one of my favorite episodes of the series as a Seinfeld fan. Anyways, Morty Seinfeld got impeached from Del Boca Vista by Jack Klompas, who was a little schemy behind the scenes. A little bit of a douche, and he ended up impeaching Morty from, uh, I guess Morty was the president of the uh, the condo, whatever. And uh, at the end, he got into his Cadillac, he did the whole peace Richard Nixon thing, and it was it was hilarious. But I think so many people are 
taking their information from that episode, what they believe, he he was an example of somebody who was charged with misconduct, Morty Seinfeld, wrongly charged with misconduct, might I add. He was basically framed. And he was kicked out. This is not the situation with Trump. So get your shit together. Get, get your shit straight, and then we can have a conversation. Oh, man. Yeah, a lot going on. It's going to be well. I'm, I'm going to release an episode on Inauguration Day. I'm going to be talking about some stuff. But it's, it's a wild time. We're going to see what happens this week. Crazy doing south of the border. I'm, uh, I'm an America lover. I love the United States of America. But uh, this is a trying time. That affects us all. That affects people here as well. I'm, uh, I'm getting bored. You know, this is, uh, this is one of the longer recordings. This might be, this is going to be longer than my last recording last Sunday. Uh, my weekend recording. We're probably going to end at 40 minutes. I'm getting bored, guys. I'm, I'm in the state where I'm nostalgic about things. Just everything that's been happening politically, in our culture, everything that's been happening socially. I'm, I'm at this point where my mind is going back to better times, to easier times. I'm uh, almost 30, as I said, and I'm at the point where I'm, I'm nostalgic about certain things. I can actually rightfully sit and reminisce. Like, you'll hear these kids, they're 20 years old, right? And they'll be like, they'll be, they'll be reminiscing on stories when they were 18. Like, hey, you remember when we used to just traipse around the neighborhood with a bag full of beer and just go to bush parties and watch kids have a knife fight next to a bonfire? I'm like, you're still doing that. There's things that I don't do anymore that I'm able to look back on and reminisce, right? There's things that, you know, I'm, I'm at a new stage of maturity. I'm rightfully able to reminisce. And I'm doing that, man. Like, I'm, I'm thinking back at, at old jobs I had, some of the first jobs when I worked at the Toronto Golf Club. I was the midnight closer. Sometimes I'd be working till 3, 4 a.m. if we had a bar mitzvah or a wedding or a, a, a party of some kind during the summer. If it was Thanksgiving, they would have things. And I'd be there till, you know, early morning by myself a lot of the time. It was this big old 100-year-old building. It would be me and the Eastern European caretaker. And he was a big, tall, gangly fellow. And I'd, uh, I'd dread turning the corner at night because I'd see him standing there. He was a fucking sleepstander. But I missed that job because I was innocent. I was coming into the new world. I was gaining a perspective. Finished high school. Recently graduated college. And I was making a life for myself. Then I had other crazy jobs. I had a job as a pool cleaner or a pool closer. For one season, I worked at uh, Aquanaut Pools with my cousin. And that was a good job. We closed the pool of the uh, people who own House of Lancaster. We used to clean their pool, and then we closed it when it came to the fall. House of Lancaster, I talked about this in a previous episode, is one of the more prominent, popular strip clubs in Toronto. It is notorious. It is uh, quite wild. It's been a staple of, uh, of Bloor Street. For decades now, I think my uncle used to go there. I think he still goes there. I think he has an inflatable mattress in the back, just in case he gets too tired to drive. But I used to clean their pool, and then we closed it. And I remember the day we closed it, it was in the middle of the fall, it was on a Friday, 
we uh, had the big, you know, we, we had the big hose. We rolled that out all the way on the street, and we just we drained all of their water into the sewer system. And I left a, a nice dark blue denim jacket. I remember it was. It was my favorite jacket at the time, and I accidentally forgot it there. And I was freaking out. I didn't want to lose that, and it was getting cold. So the next morning on the Saturday, I drove all the way 25 minutes out to Mississauga Road, went to their house, beautiful home. Like, like it was a mansion. They didn't answer the front door, so I'm like, okay, shit, I got to go around back. And I'm expecting, I hear noise around back, so I know they're back there. I'm not just sneaking around trespassing. Like I, I went back, I announced myself, and I'm expecting these people to be wild, to be having a girls gone wild level shindig in their backyard. And I turn the corner, and all I see is just a bunch of grown adults in a gazebo, not even drinking alcohol. They're just hanging out. They're listening to some some Paul McCartney or whatever. Their children are outside playing uh, Frisbee and soccer. And I say, hey, I'm from the pool company. I forgot my jacket. And I was expecting her to be annoyed with me, the, the, the girl living there, the wife. She might have been the daughter of the owners, whatever. And she just says, oh, we've been waiting for you. And she hands me my jacket, and I was on my way. I was, so, I was like, have a great day. She's like, you as well. Have a wonderful weekend. And that was it. And quite frankly, I'm a little freaked out. I was a little uncomfortable that the that these people were that nice to me. I wanted them to be a little grungier. I want people to match the aesthetic of the service they provide. I want them to match the feeling of what they do for a living. I want you to match the vibe of your occupation. It doesn't matter how nefarious it is. If you're a drug dealer, I want you to have a ripped backpack with drugs inside of it, I want you to have uh, either a switchblade or a 38 snub just tucked in the bag, okay? Because you're living on the edge. You're a badass. And I also want you to have a scale tucked down the front of your underwear where your dick is. You are going against the grain. Same goes if you're a pimp. If you're a pimp, I want you to have colorful jewelry, furry jacket. Colorful jewelry furry jacket, okay? If you are the proprietor of a grungy gentleman's club in the middle of downtown Toronto, I'm expecting at least one person around you to be ODing. Not that I want that, I'm just expecting it. It's not a desire, but it's a reality. It's a reality, folks. No, but they had, they had kids in the backyard. And that, that was the creepiest part, that they had children there. It's like, you may as well like be a porn star. Like when I see videos of these porn stars who have these mansions, they have families and they have children running around. They're, or the, they're, they're the owners of a, they're the presidents or the, uh, the CEOs of these porn companies. And they've just got kids around. It's like, it's similar to when you see footage of a war zone. It's like, it's like children growing up on a warlord's compound. It's like the kids that were, on Osama bin Laden's property. That's the environment that you're in that I feel you're in. <laughs> no, it's not. But um, anyways, I'm uh, just remembering back to times like that. Something's Off Podcast, Instagram. Don't forget to follow on Spotify. Thank